Hey everyone, you're listening to Inherited, a sound-rich, solutions-focused youth storytelling podcast about the climate crisis. I'm Shaylin Martos, your season three host. In episode three, storyteller Mo Isu shared the voices of people experiencing the devastating yearly flooding of the Niger Delta region in Nigeria. Check out the episode, Loss is on the Calendar, if you haven't already. I met with Mo to talk more about his story and ask how the production process has helped him grow as an audio producer. So my name is Mo Isu. My pronouns are he, him, and I am a writer and audio producer. I'm so excited to talk with you today, Mo, because your piece is very, very moving. And it is one that is very, very facts heavy. We've had some narrative pieces this mm. season, but this one for me is is very much like a, you have archival sound of, of news uh, broadcasts. You have multiple interviews of people speaking from experience. You have facts and figures. So it's it's very interesting. I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about your writing and audio producing in news, since this is more of a newsy piece. Mm, yeah. I guess. I, I think at the time when I pitched this story, I, I hadn't articulated that this was an interest of mine, but I am currently very interested in telling stories about numbers because I think like the news reports a lot of statistics and it's very easy. Those numbers don't mean anything. And so I am really at the moment really curious about what those numbers mean, like in real life with real people and real effects and consequences. Like I want to know like the actual gravity of what it means when the news like throws numbers around. I mean, the reason I pitched the story was because I was just, I was so curious about the phenomena of adapting to something so dramatic like the idea that it's just part of your life to experience incredibly disruptive mm -hmm. like incidents and and so i wanted to talk to people that that were going through that but coming out on the other side i i, I realized that something else that really moved me to do the story was just i i hear about these incidences but they don't mean anything to me and i wanted to find meaning in in those news reports so, so it does seem to me that you are focusing on something that's a little bit, sadly, it's a little bit new in news media, and that's the the concept of people-focused stories instead of facts-focused, even though this is a facts-forward piece. To me, it's very salient in it that your intention was to show it through the lens of how it actually affects the people. So I'm, I'm wondering, like, kind of what got you into news and what got you to this point working with Inherited? I think I, I, I've always written. So I've always like had that attached to my introduction to self as I'm a writer. Um, I haven't always reported. Three years or four years ago, I did not envision a world where that's what I would do. I, my background is in engineering. That's what I have a degree in. So that's completely unrelated. Oh, wow. But I, 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 like, I, I got into audio almost by accident. I, I, I just wanted to try something out one time and I liked it and I did it again and again. And then for a couple of years, I did very, very personal audio stories 
where it's like a single character and you have, you follow that character to a vulnerable place. And I, I, I like doing that because I thought vulnerable places are really good places to help people fight the feeling of loneliness. Like if you walk with someone to a place where they're vulnerable, you stop feeling alone. Um, yeah. And then over the, like, like the last year, I wanted to see if I could do that in different ways, like in bigger stories and stories that have more impacts and stories that might have confliction that might be difficult to get a conclusion. And I think I, I sort of do that in this piece um, in that I thought that, okay, I thought that this was definitely a story where I could walk to a place of um, vulnerability with people because like they are going through something that's extremely, extremely challenging. And in doing that, I didn't expect to be able to say, oh, this is the way forward. Like the story hasn't finished yet, at least not for these people. Like, and I, so I wanted to get to those feelings. I wanted to get to that feeling of like, there's a real human life here that mm. has vulnerabilities and there is a difficult thing that they do not have an answer to. So one of the ways that the government has attempted to aid Nigerian citizens living near water sources and the rivers and, and, and the sea was providing them with homes, but but as you reported, many chose to sell those and move back to their at-risk homes. Why is that? So I, I think that that like that was very surprising for me, like to hear, because I, I did not know that, and 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 when I traveled to Lokoja, I did not expect to hear that. But then I was talking to so I, like I had sp- spoken to one person, and he had said, "Oh, I would like to move," and I thought, "Oh, okay." Maybe this is the solution. And I asked someone else and he said, well, that doesn't work. Because honestly, I don't know the answer. I don't know why that's the case. But earlier on, um, and in my conversation with Victor Daniel, we'd spoken about people adapting to this situation because like, there is no other choice available to them. Or they cannot envision the other choice available to them. Um, in that their livelihood depends on the river in this particular situation. So when that solution came, I think for these people, it was it was just an, another opportunity to sustain their, their life that they wanted to live by the river uh, and not so much an opportunity for them to change their lives. Mm. But in all honesty, I cannot tell you that I can, I, I understand why that's like a, like that's a bit, because it definitely perplexes me. Well, and that's why I wanted to ask you this question too, because I think a huge part of solutions journalism that may be overlooked by some some people who were trying to change the just the trajectory of news media is that solutions journalism does include criticizing the limitations of the solutions that that people are proposing. So I did want to mention too that we recently had terrible flooding in California, so bad that folks in farming communities like Pajaro were completely displaced. Flooding is more and more common around the world, and so is governmental negligence that are making the situation so much worse. What does that say to you? Kind of, how does that affect you and and how you produce the story? The first thought that came to mind is someone else I had spoken to, but did not include in this particular piece. We just like Nigeria just had had an, had an election like a couple of months ago, and so we just have we just started a new government tenure or what or, or what's not. So we have a new president. And the person I had interviewed had, was in the process of putting a roof on his house. So it was the process of rebuilding his house from the last time of the flood. So I spoke to him and he said the only reason he voted for the current government is because the current government has said they will fix the problem. Uh, and to him, if this government does nothing else, if Nigeria gets worse in every possible way, 
but this one thing was fixed, then it would like feel that okay, this government has done a good job. Mm. And I thought that just that, that like establishes like how for like many of these people how pertinent this is, like how much their life depends on this. The future of America is in your hands. This is not a movie trailer, and it's not a political ad, but it is a call to action. I'm Mila Atmos, and I'm passionate about unlocking the power of everyday citizens. On our podcast, Future Hindsight, we take big ideas about civic life and democracy and turn them into action items for you and me. Every Thursday, we talk to bold activists and civic innovators to help you understand your power and your power to change the status quo. Find us at futurehindsight.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. If someone told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? No. But there is something to be said about leaping into the unknown. That's what our podcast, Outside In, is all about. It's a safer way to explore all the weird, wonderful, and uncomfortable questions you have about the natural world. Like, what's it like to decompose? All of the germs and bacteria is saying, okay, baby, we gotta get rid of this person. Or, why the hell do we have lawns? Who the hell needs five acres of ornamental grass? I'm Nate Hedgie, host of Outside In a podcast where curiosity and the natural world collide. Sometimes it's serious, sometimes it's ridiculous, but it's always a wild journey. That's Outside Slash In from New Hampshire Public Radio. I love interviewing reporters about their own stories because we get this. You You didn't include that interview, but you and I get to talk about it. So I get a little bit more context and our audience gets a little bit more context into the other perspectives. Have you grown as a storyteller? Have you grown through this experience working with us with Inherited? Yes, 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 is, the, is the, <laughs> like the, like the short answer. Um, like coming, coming into this year, I really wanted to, I think I've been feeling particularly stuck, stagnant in the kind of stories I tell. Um, and I, I wanted to be able to like do something maybe more adventurous is one way to look at it. Um, and I thought, I thought, I thought this was definitely that it was a case of me doing a story that was not easily accessible to me. And, and like the, the story that does not happen in my immediate community or around me, but it's a story I knew about. Um, and so I liked that I, I was able to push myself to do that. I really enjoyed the support. I think also necessary for me at this point in time in like my audio career to get the support I got from like Georgia and everybody else on the team. Um, just like like I like I was doing a good job, and like I'm supposed to be doing the the, the work that I'm doing. Um, and to believe in myself, I guess like to trust trust what I am curious about and trust like what I what I. I have to say about what I'm curious about. I just think I just thought it was necessary for me personally at like where I was to do this story with you guys because it was an opportunity for me to like feel more grounded, I guess, is one is one way to put it. Yeah, so this is the first time I've been a climate story. And knocked it out of the park. <laughs> so so on that note, do you 
I mean, this is your first climate story, but do you have any any advice moving forward for any other young climate storytellers? I feel like I hear this a lot personally, but I think cliches are cliches because they are true. Uh, so, and it's follow your gods, I think. Follow your instincts, I think, is my, is like the best advice I could give. I hear it a lot. And it's to a point where it's like, oh my God, tell me something I can actually use. <laughs> um, but it's actually so true. Like, you just have that feeling and you just need to follow the feeling to see where it's like, what it leads to. I mean, it's always solid advice, though. It, it is. Yeah. It's always it's always good advice because people always have trouble with it. You're taught to shut that down. Okay, so the most important question as we wrap up, most important question for any reporter to ask, is there anything else that you want to share with me, anything that I've missed? I, I, I think you did a really good job. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate when like, the conversation can be an exercise in introspection or reflection and, and I hadn't so like I, I hadn't previously thought about some things and you made me think about those things now I'll be thinking about them into the future oh that's fantastic is there anything that you'd like to plug for us maybe do you have anything that we should look out for I, I have a newsletter where I write about I write personal essays about breaking into audio journalism and so yeah I think if you're interested in hearing more about my work and about me and about my anxieties, then you should check it out on Substack. It's called Act 2. Act 2? Yeah, like the second act. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking this time to to talk with me about this. Because, I mean, every time I read one of the scripts from the storytellers, every time I listen to, you know, one of the drafts, I'm like, oh my God, I have so many things that I want to ask these people. <laughs> I have so many, so many questions and I'm hope, I'm hoping that um, this conversation can answer a few for, for whoever's listening. And I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, that you were able to think about things in a different way. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for this bonus episode. Season three of Inherited continues Wednesdays wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, storyteller Emma Shulman addresses how natural disasters can disproportionately affect domestic violence survivors. See you Wednesday. Inherited is brought to you by YR Media, a national network of young journalists and artists creating content for this generation. We're distributed by Critical Frequency, a podcast network founded by women journalists. For more information about our show, team, and storytellers, visit our website at yr.media slash inherited. See you next week.